Section 2 Material Science Basics and Visual Testing Applications. Chapter 5 Types of Materials to be Tested Metals At the atomic and molecular level, metals are loosely defined as elements and alloys, combinations of elements, that are lustrous, malleable solids, and good conductors of heat and electricity. The bonding or valence electrons are shared by all of the atoms in the electron cloud of the crystalline structure. This metallic bonding allows the electrons to migrate freely within the crystal, enabling metals to be conductors. Metals are known for high strength, re high strength resistance to atmospheric destruction, durability, and plasticity. Metals can be cast or formed, and they can be joined using welding processes. Inspection techniques are based on the specific manufacturing process, the alloy used, type of defect sought, and the future application of the materials. During solidification, metal atoms arrange themselves into orderly patterns known as cells. These cells form the lattice of the metallic crystal. Most metals crystallize in cubic or hexagonal cells. The most common metallic stru cell structures are body-centered cubic, BCC, face-centered cubic, and closed-packed hexagonal. As the future of these individual cells determines most of the solidification properties and physical properties of an alloy. These properties are also influenced by the interstitial sites in the crystal and by the bonds between individual crystals. Billions of cells are present in a single metal crystal. Most pure metals are single phase, meaning they have only one type of cell structure. Allotropic alloys have more than one cell structure. Metallography, the study and documentation of the structure of metals, is performed to reveal the structure and the con constitution of metals and alloys. Since the 1800s, microscopes have been used to evaluate metallic structures and to determine the relationship between the structure and the physical properties of an alloy. Metallography is also used to assess the characteristics of metals after primary, secondary, or finishing operations and to analyze in-service failures. Metallography is performed by analyzing a specimen that is suitable for viewing under a microscope. Care must be taken to assure that the specimen is fully representative of the metal or object being studied. Studies of in-service failures or surface conditions may require special handling to preserve the information during the sample preparation. Metal grains may be biased in a specific orientation. Both longitudinal and transverse sections may be required. The first step in preparation is to obtain the specimen. The specimen should be carefully removed from the test object so that nothing interferes with the evaluation. A cutting torch or other heat application may alter the physical condition of the test piece. The specimen is normally mounted in a synthetic material. It then is polished and etched. The polishing and etching operations must be carefully chosen so that the characteristics of the sample are not altered. Macroscopic evaluation is normally performed below 10 times magnification. Microscopic evaluation is usually performed between 50 and 200 times magnification. Both provide information about non-metallic inclusions, processing defects, and metal grain size. Metallography is often used on castings to determine the solidification direction and to reveal dendritic and col columnar grain patterns. In formed parts, the flow lines may be revealed. In weldments, the heat-affected zone depth can be determined. Most mechanical properties are based on the relationship between stress and strain. Stress is force applied to the metal. 
which causes metal to stretch, compress, twist, or skew. Strain is the percentage of change in unit length. Hooke's law is used to describe elasticity. Below the elastic limit, the strain, the amount, the amount that an elastic body is deformed, is proportional to the stress applied force. The elastic limit is the point at which a stressed material will no longer return to its pre-stressed condition and is permanently deformed. The stress-strain curve for an alloy shows the modulus of elasticity. The resistance of the alloy to the deformation is indicated by the slope of the line. The stress-strain diagram also shows the yield strength, ultimate tensile strength, and breaking strength. These curves are produced experimentally by applying a tensile load to a specifically prepared test sample. The strength of a material measures its ability to resist deformation. Strength is expressed in several ways based on the nature of the applied stress. Common strength test includes tensile strength, compressive strength, and fatigue strength. Tensile testing and hardness testing are explained in greater detail in Chapter 7, Direct Visual Inspection. One common method of joining metals is by welding. Welding is the joining of two pieces of metal by the application of heat, electric current, pressure, or some combination of these forces in order to cause metallic bonding and recrystallization of the alloy at the union. Soldering and brazing are the other joining techniques where a filler, where a filler alloy is used to establish the bond. The size and nature of the crystalline structure and the resultant properties in the weld and has are the subject of much study. Welding and other joining processes of metals are described in greater detail in Chapter 6, Visual and Optical Testing Applications. In-service metals are analyzed for wear, fatigue, and corrosion. Wear is the undesirable removal of material by mechanical action. Abrasive wear, adhesive wear, and fretting wear where erosion, grinding, and gouging occur. Abrasive wear when one surface rolls or slides past another surface with enough pressure to cause a cutting action. Adhesive wear occurs when the two surfaces are micro-welded due to heat and pressure as they move past each other. Fretting wear resembles adhesive wear but occurs on static surfaces. Small cyclic motions or pressures produce elastic deformation at the boundary and cause micro-welding. Fatigue causes a reduction of cross-section due to cyclic loading. Fatigue can cause fractures or cavities. Fatigue fractures are sudden failures caused by the application of a cyclic load. Prior to sudden or catastrophic failure, the fatigue fractures appear as brittle fractures. Frequently, metallography shows crescents or beach marks at the origin of the crack. Fatigue caused by contact stresses between two loaded surfaces is called contact stress fatigue. Surface and subsurface stresses cause elastic deformation of the materials. The uneven distribution of these stresses can cause pitting fatigue. Corrosion is, deter de corrosion is the deterioration of a metal due to electric electrical... Excuse me. <laughs> corrosion is the deterioration of a metal due to electrochemical reactions with the environment due to an oxidation reduction reaction. Galvanic corrosion is caused by differing chemistries or stresses within the alloy surface structure that allows the flow of electricity between the material that corrodes, the anode, 
and a cathode that does not corrode. Uniform corrosion and crevice corrosion are caused by the same mechanism as galvanic corrosion. Ceramics. As with metals, it is difficult to define ceramics at the atomic and molecular levels. Ceramics are materials with high strengths and hardness that are also brittle. They have strong chemical bonds that make them resistant to chemical attack and have excellent high temperature properties. Ceramic products can be categorized as glass, abrasive, refractories, whitewares, gypsum products, porcelain, enamels, and advanced ceramics. Most ceramics are produced from clays, natural material, or manufactured material. These all exhibit a characteristic crystal structure. The next most common raw material for ceramics is silica. A large variety of other materials are used as additives for specialized uses. A flux is added to the clay or silica to reduce the firing temperature. The production of most ceramic products begins with the crushing of raw material to achieve a desired partic uh, particle size. Once crushed, the particles are separated by size and mixed with other raw materials to desired proportions. Because of their inherently brittle nature, ceramic materials are more difficult to form than metals or plastics. Plastic forming of ceramics is performed by mixing ceramic powder with a liquid to temper it and adding plasticizers that allow the ceramic materials to be formed. Plastic forming techniques include slip casting, extrusion, pressing, injection molding, dry forming processes, and high temperature forming. Ceramic raw materials and the finished products may be inspected for physical measurements including height, width, length, stickness, weight, volume, density, and porosity. Porosity may be measured by submerging a ceramic test specimen in a liquid bath and measuring the change in the mass of the liquid due to the amount absorbed by the ceramic. Liquid raw materials are measured for viscosity, the relationship between force and the applied fluid, and the shear flow, and the shear produced flow. This is called the consistency curve. Newtonian fluids have linear consistency curves. Viscosity is commonly measured using a falling ball viscometer, orifice viscometer, Brookfield viscometer, or rotational viscometer. Particle size measurement of powders is usually performed using a testing sieve. Sieves are identified by a mesh number, the number of sieve openings per linear inch of, of sieve surface. A higher mesh number means smaller sieve opening. The crystal phase structure of ceramic products is subjected to microscopic evaluation using standard metallographic techniques. Measurements for tensile strength and hardness are also performed with techniques similar to those used for metals. Finished ceramic consumer products are subjected to inspections for color, gloss, and manufacturing discontinuities. Glass products are inspected for clarity and unwanted reflections. Plastics. Plastics are non-metallic mixtures that combine large amounts of long-chain molecules called polymers and smaller amounts of smaller molecules known as additions. The physical characteristics of plastics are primarily determined by the polymers. The molecular composition of a polymer always includes carbon atoms, which bind the other elements together by covalent bonding. Polymer chains are created by using heat and pressure that cause monomers, the single parts, to link like a chain, to link in a chain-like configuration. The properties are dependent on the average length and standard deviation of the polymer chain. Thermoplastics can be heated and cooled and yet they retain many of their original properties. They assume more solid-like properties as they cool. These plastics offer a relatively high impact strength and they are easier to process than thermosetting plastics. 
Some common thermoplastics include nylon, polyester, polyethylene, polystyrene, polypropylene, polyvinyl chloride. Thermosets result from the condensation or addition type reactions. During cooling, covalent crosslinks are formed between the polymers. These links are not easily broken. If the material these links are not easily broken if the material is reheated. The addition of heat causes a thermoset to char and burn rather than becoming liquid. Common thermosets include phenolics, polyurethane, and silicon. Plastics are normally physically characterized in terms of the mechanical properties of the material and its thermal, optical, and electrical characteristics. Optically, plastics are char characterized as translucent or transparent with a yellowish tint. To produce opaque plastics, pigment is added. The transparency of plastics is easily altered by applying stress, making them excellent candidates for bifringent stress analysis. Most plastic components are formed by compression molding, injection molding, extrusion, rotational molding, or blow molding, or pultrusion. The names and techniques involved in most of these processes are similar in concept to techniques used for metal forming, welding, or casting. Pultrusion forms fiber-reinforced parts by pulling resin-coated fibers through heated dyes to form a composite. Most of the visual inspection performed on plastics is for appearance and for locating manufacturing discontinuities. Many plastic components are used in consumer products where the appearance is of high importance. Surface finishes may vary from mirror bright to dull satin. It is common to apply decorative textures such as simulated wood grain or pebble grain finish. Raised lettering is also a frequent feature. Discontinuities in plastics include heat lines, flow lines, sink marks, flash lines, sprue marks, and mold release agent inconsistencies. These types of discontinuities that occur during the uh, these types of discontinuities that occur depend on the type of material and manufacturing process. In compression molding, thermosetting plastics are compressed and forced to fill closed die cavities. It is similar to closed die forging. Flash lines are the most common type of discontinuity. Injection molding can convert thermosets and thermoplastics into fairly intricate patterns by injecting the plastic under high pressure into a mold and allowing it to solidify. Knit lines, flow lines, and sink marks are the most common types of discontinuities. Extrusion forms simple shapes by forcing molten plastic through a die. It is also used to apply coatings to wire cable and strips. Sink marks are the most common type of discontinuity. Thermoplastics are used in blow molding to create one-piece hollow articles, i.e. as bottles, by forcing plastic into a cold mold using hot air. Most common the most common types of discontinuity are excessive wall thickness variations in small flash lines. Thickness may vary. Excuse me, thickness may be difficult to accurately assess if both sides of the surface are not accessible. The use of Hall effect mechanical gauges for this type of measurement is gaining popularity. Thermoforming pro uh, produces a three-dimensional shape from a flat sheet of thermoplastic by softening the plastic with heat and forcing it against an open mold. Composites. The term composite material describes any combination of different materials. There is no single recognized definition of the term that limits its use to those materials typically described as composite. Most modern composites can be described as a fiber or particle reinforcement combined with 
Most modern composites can be described as a fiber or particle reinforcement combined with or embedded in a non-directional matrix or resin. Some composites have no matrix and are composed of layers of fibrous material. The most co common composites may be somewhat arbitrarily described as fiber reinforced, particulate, laminar, flake, or filled. A matrix is the base or filler material used to hold the reinforcement material in place, which distributes stresses among the reinforcing material. In some materials, the matrix may produce all or most of the material's characteristics. In others, it is strictly a filler and contributes little to the material's properties. Reinforcements are made from a variety of materials including metals, aluminum, glass, polymers, boron, and inorganic materials, silicon, and carbides. One of the most frequently used reinforcements is carbon fibers. Carbon fibers are converted from a precursor polymer such as a polyacrylonitrile or pitch. This is, in, this is converted into a fiber by spinning. It is stabilized by oxidation at 400 degrees Celsius or 752 degrees Fahrenheit. The fiber is then carbonized at, in an inert atmosphere at a temperature above 1000 degrees Celsius or 832 degrees Fahrenheit. The fibers exhibit a graphite layer structure that resembles an imperfect, very loose woven fabric. The properties of a carbon fiber are determined by the graphite layer plane and by the orientation of the layer plane in relation to the fiber axis. Strengths increase as the orientation improves and as the defect content of the fiber is reduced. The diameter and length of the fibers are commonly assessed. Fiber reinforced composites use a fiber or thread-like reinforcement in a non-directional matrix. The most common fiber reinforced composites are reinforced plastics or polymer matrix materials, metal matrix materials, and carbon or graphite matrix materials. Ceramic and glass uh, matrix composites are other lesser used types of fiber reinforced composite materials. In most of these materials, the matrix and reinforcement are important to the structural properties. Reinforced plastics use a thermoset or thermoplastic matrix to distribute the applied stress among the reinforcing fibers. Reinforcements include most fibrous materials that have greater strength and a higher modulus than the matrix. Common fiber materials include glass, ceramic, and carbon fibers. Fiber lengths range from 2.5 millimeters, 0.1 inch, to composite where the fiber runs the length of the structure. Metal matrix composites using aluminum, titanium, and magnesium are used in aerospace technology because of their very high strength to weight ratios and excellent fracture toughness. They are produced by blending high modulus fibers or particles with the metal alloy matrix. These materials are produced by casting. All typical casting discontinuities may be expected. Metallographic techniques are used to analyze the distribution of the reinforcement. Carbon and graphite matrix materials offer excellent high temperature properties. Carbon or graphite fibers in a carbon matrix retain usable properties at temperatures above 2500 degrees Celsius or 4532 degrees Fahrenheit. The room temperature properties are comparable to many conventional materials, but they, off, they, offer, the, but they offer the designer directional strength and modulus, stiffness, control by selecting the direction, quantity, and diameter of the reinforcing material. Flakes are used in place of fibers because they can be more closely packed. Flakes are generally not added to a matrix to reinforce it, but rather to alter the conductivity or resistance of the material. Glass, glass flakes resist heat 
and electricity while metal flakes increase the conductivity. Aluminum flakes are often used in automobile paint to change the reflective properties. Laminar composites are made in a variety of material combinations, including metal-metal combinations, metal-plastic laminates, metal-ceramic, and other laminates. Laminar composites are fiber-reinforced composites that use the reinforcing material to provide its basic structural properties. The reinforcing fibers can be made of any of the previously discussed materials. The fibers can be oriented in one, two, or three dimensions, and they can be discontinuous or continuous. The most common structural laminar composite consists of layers of cross-directional fibers woven into a cloth alternating with layers of resin or fiber interlaced resin. The reinforcing cloth may be pre-impregnated with the resinous matrix, prepreg, or the resin may be applied during layup. The structures are produced by laying the reinforcements into a mold as required. The resin is allowed to cure or forced to cure using ultraviolet light or heat. A vacuum is often applied to the force the resin into the fabric and produce a bond. Structures produced by this method are inspected for porosity and voids, overlap in the fabric, gaps between the mating, faying, surfaces, cracks, surface pits, blisters, which are lack of bond due to air, resin-starved areas, tackiness, and wrinkles. Normally, defects in the reinforcing material are regarded as more serious than those in the matrix. Because of their heterogeneous nature, it is not easy to use visual and optical NDT techniques on composites. Tensile strength and knot sensitivity, the most important characteristics of structural components, are not readily assessed except by periodic destructive testing. In these applications, the most important visual and optical inspections are the in-process inspections described above. In many applications, the cosmetic appearance is also considered. Finished and painted composites are normally inspected for cosmetics prior to entering service. By their nature, composites are very damage resistant, but in-service composites should be inspected for cracking due to damage. Surface cracks can be found by using 5x to 10x magnifications or by using a wetting agent such as alcohol and ink dye to provide contrast. Wood products. Wood products have been used as construction materials since before recorded history. The first lumber grading rules were developed in Scandinavia in 1754 and were used in the Americas by 1883. As wood composite materials, i.e. plywood and press board, have been developed, standards have been developed for them as well. In the United States, lumber grading is performed by, according to PS 2094, a voluntary standard established by the U.S. Department of Commerce in 1970 and revised in 1994. Agencies that grade lumber are certified and monitored by the Board of Review of the American Lumber Standards Committee. Specific lumber grades grading rules are administered by seven different regional associations such as, such as the Western Wood Products Association, Periodically, the WWPA issues the Western Lumber Grading Rules. These regional associations grant grading rights to manufacturers within their jurisdiction. Manufacturers and personnel must provide proof to the association that they are adequate and competent to accurately grade lumber. The regional standards take into account variations due to the common indigenous forest species. Softwood lumber is a manufactured product that is sawed, edged, and trimmed on all four longitudinal surface. surfaces. Softwood lumber is classified according to the extent of manufacturing as rough lumber, dress lumber, or worked lumber. 
The measured characteristics of lumber includes sizes, locations, and spacing of discontinuities, i.e. wood grain and growth rings. These characteristics are thoroughly described in the grading rules, which are illustrated and provide visual assessments of the criteria of products ranging from rough cut timbers to superior finished lumber for cabinet work. Framing lumber used for construction is evaluated for the fiber stress in the building and the tinsel strength and the compressive strength, both parallel and perpendicular to the wood grain. In addition, the moisture content from the wood is important. Physical testing of lumber is performed in accordance with ASTM standards to qualify the visual standards and the design values. Framing lumber is visually inspected for wane, which refers to bark or lack of wood, and knots, which is a portion of a branch or limb. In addition, to, in addition, lumber is checked for dimensional conformity as well as warp and manufacturing defects. Select and finish lumber is used on exposed surfaces such as cabinets, molding, or architectural work. The best side of the piece is graded as clear, C-select, or D-select, based on the amounts of characteristics or imperfections in a specified area. Characteristics include checks and abnormal separation of the wood across through across or through the growth rings, torn grain, pitch, and pockets. All graded lumber is stampede <laughs> all graded lumber is stamped in accordance with the rules developed by the American Lumber Standards Committee. The actual markings are very detailed and include information on the supervising agency, the issue number of the mill or inspection agency, the species of timber, and the grader markings. Consult the grading rules books of the regional organization for specific requirements.